As a freshly ordained church leader about 20 years ago, I attended a conference focused on the worship practices of the ancient church and their value for the 21st century. Well, you might ask, why would Anglicans have a conference like that? That's obvious to us. But this conference wasn't aimed at Anglicans, and that's what interested me. It was held in a large Baptist church in South Mississauga, and it was attended by over 400 Baptists and Pentecostals and Christian Reformed church leaders. At one point during his address, the keynote speaker, Robert Weber, read aloud an ancient piece of liturgy. He read it slowly and powerfully. Then he asked everybody to stand up and read it aloud. And so together, 400 Baptists and Pentecostals and Christian Reform people, and at least one Anglican, said together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. At the end, you could have heard a pin drop. And I said to myself, was that the Sanctus? And I felt both a little proud and a little ashamed. Proud that this glorious ancient hymn was a part of my own Anglican tradition. Shame that I had for decades rattled those words off so flippantly. As so often has happened for me, it took someone originally from another tradition to help me appreciate the riches of my own. In our Anglican communion service, the Sanctus forms the last part of the preface in the prayer of con uh, consecration. It's normally sung or said by the entire congregation. Where does it come from? Well, as we heard in our readings, it comes, really, it's made up of two uh, passages of Scripture. The first part is from an acclamation found in Isaiah 6, verse 3. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The second part is from an acclamation from Matthew 21, verse 9. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. The Sanctus brings these two together, a meeting place, if you like, of these two Old and New Testament scriptures. It is one of the most ancient pieces of Christian liturgy. Saint Clement of Rome, who died at the beginning of the second century, already writes in one of his letters to the Corinthian church, about Isaiah 6-3 being sung by the church. And other early church fathers also mention the Sanctus, including Tertullian, Athanasius, and John Chrysostom. 
The Sanctus has been a part of the Western Church's Eucharistic rite since at least the start of the 5th century. But what does the Sanctus offer us besides this firm rooting in these two acclamations from Scripture and in early church tradition? I'm convinced that the Sanctus has a particular gift to offer the church in our age. It is a gift of correction. Correction for a theology and so preaching and teaching that so often leans into the love of God, but much more rarely into the holiness, power, and might of God. And the sort of love we so often lean into is a love that is palatable to the broader culture. Basically, abiding affection. It is firstly a sort of insipid affection, one that is blind to wrongdoing and says, there, there, you're just not yourself today. As if the self was truly the locus of proper judgment. In this framework, we humans are made out to be the rightful eaters of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Secondly, this culturally palatable love is a sort of impotent affection. It is a love that can't really do much, but sits there hand-wringing over the way we treat each other and treat the rest of creation, always hoping for the best, but never able to do anything about the situation. This is God's love made palatable to a society that has placed the self as Lord. And it is to this, I think, the Sanctus offers a much-needed corrective. With its thrice-repeated, holy, holy, holy Lord, the Sanctus points to God as the one true measure of holiness, and the proper locus of judgment. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also rightful Lord. The wise old uh, New Testament scholar, William Barclay writes, the basic idea of holiness is difference. God is different from us. Precisely there is the reason we are moved to adoration. The very mystery of God moves us to awed admiration in his presence and to amazed love that greatness should stoop so low for us and our salvation. Did you notice that for Barclay, the difference, the holiness, is not some abstract essence God's holiness is self-revealed in his relation to us humans. Former professor of theology John Webster has written in a great little book called Holiness. He writes this. Talk of God's holiness indicates the manner in which the sovereign God relates. As the Holy One, God passes judgment on sin and negates it. 
Yet the holy God does this not from afar as a detached legislator, but in the reconciling mission of the Son and the outpouring of the sanctifying Spirit. He is the triune living God who is holy, 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 and by his own being and actions is rightful Lord of all. The Sanctus continues with an assertion of the omnipotence of God. God of power and might, it says. This power and might is seen in God's own self-revelatory acts. Creator of reality itself. Commanding the winds and waves, healing the leper, forgiving the sinner, providing for the hungry, raising the dead. A power and might revealed in that for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A power and might revealed in the continuing sanctifying work of the Spirit. It is so clear that this power and might is unlike any we ourselves define. It is the power and might of the triune living God whose glory fills heaven and earth, as Isaiah 6.3 so succinctly says. The second part of the Sanctus is based on Matthew 21.9. It echoes the shouts of praise and adoration made in recognition of the Messiahship of Jesus as he entered Jerusalem riding on a simple donkey. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, with its literal meaning rescues or saves, again points to God himself. It is Jesus whose name literally means God saves, who comes in the name of, in the authority and power of the Lord God. This then is the rich and full teaching of the Sanctus, the holiness, the power and might, the saving provision of God. What will we do with this teaching? Above all, may we allow it to shape us, prepare us to offer worship, not to some pale, impotent God of our own making, but to the triune living God himself, who alone is worthy of praise and adoration, who alone is worthy of worship.